a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. 137 is the time here in the KSL newsroom. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. We, we were kind of interrupted. There was some breaking news that changed the plan of yesterday. Had to uh, push a few important conversations from Thursday to today, Friday. And the, the main conversation that uh, I want to pick up from yesterday has to do with how you and I communicate about what's going on right now. How specifically, how young people communicate, the youngsters in your home, uh, how they learn to process the events in Washington, D.C. of last week, the domestic terrorism that was on full display and that has been uh, pretty much on repeat playing uh, throughout the country in the week ensuing, uh, plus on top of that, the impeachment of the United States president. How do you, how do you talk about that? How do you talk about that with, say, family members within your own home uh, who have far different views than you? We'll hear from uh, someone trained in just that type of communication later on in the program. But right now, I want to focus on how this is being discussed in schools, how teachers uh, might best explain or talk about what's transpired over the uh, past week and some change. And joining me now to help uh, sort that all out and draw from her own experience is Utah State Representative and former junior and high school teacher, Elizabeth Waite. Representative, how are you? Welcome to the program. I'm fine, and thank you. I'm really glad to join this conversation. Tell me this. How, how is this being discussed in schools, would you imagine? I've reached out to teachers and, and seen teacher dialogues, but I also talked to my nephew, who's a, a real activist, um, to find out his thoughts from his education situation. So different teachers are handling it different ways, but they are all emphasizing the Constitution. They're all going to the Constitution to help kids. And and this is what I would say, too. What exactly does that document say about the role of the executive branch? Because what we know, and and I'm a tour guide here at the state capitol, when I do tours, um, even though they're um, virtual right now, I like to emphasize that our state capitol has places for all three branches of the state government that parallels the federal government, people don't even realize that and the, and the balance and the importance of the balance. Because one of the things that comes up in the discussion um, that doesn't even have to be pointed out by a teacher when those three branches are pointed out in the Constitution is the recognition that when something goes on in the executive branch that is questioned or the legislative branch 
or the judicial branch. There are the other branches help balance that out. And that's the, the design for the function of government. So, so one of the things that I wanted to emphasize is we go to the foundational documents, we talk about institutional process and including the processes to adjust the processes that are historical. But then we let the students have a dialogue based on that and let them and guide their practice away from the emotional uh, idea, you know, the emotions and the radicalized ideas so that they get a chance to really discuss, but with emphasis on the institutional documents and the historical foundational documents. How do you how do you possibly separate the the, the emotional and the political from the procedural? I, I agree with you 100 percent. And in fact, uh, the, the past week, uh, plus the impeachment of earlier this year, uh, if you're looking for a silver lining, it's that uh, folks like you and me are now uh, we're armchair experts on the impeachment process. Uh, it's right. not I, I can't imagine it's uh, it's that easy to uh, to kind of strip that away from the politics and the emotions, as you mentioned, of today and download that knowledge. H- how do you accomplish that? So are you talking about with working with students? Right. With, with, with the students who are going to come into the classroom and they are going to, you know, very likely have been exposed to, uh, you know, what their parents have to say, what uh, right. what their uncle or aunt has to say, uh, what they have picked up from the news themselves. Uh, which which is you know pretty heavy on the emotional political. How do you right. how do you steer them away from that if that's what you intend to do? Right, and so you're right because then when they come to school, there's that added layer of their feeling the need to defend their families and right. defend their parents and relatives' attitudes. So so when we start out with a basis of the documents and realization and discussion about those. Then when those kids, so so it turns into an internal dialogue, and there actually are some really great uh, writing exercises um, that are reflection writing about those documents that allow kids, and anybody actually, to start putting their own thoughts alongside the words in the documents. So you, you put the document on the paper with big fat margins, and have them underline, highlight, and write their thoughts and notes alongside. But then they're aware they're making notes and, and writing reflections relevant to the actual historic 1879 ratified constitutional documents. So what that process does, because I've seen this happen, what that process does is it gives, it empowers kids with their own thinking and their own uh, basis for their thinking, it completely, it, it doesn't remove all of the emotional right. a- elements of it, but it gives them so much more than just the emotion that they come out of it with a, a lot stronger basis for their own thinking, uh, some things about which to talk with their parents when they go home, um, some realizations that they might not be able to approach their parents or families because we've all gone through that this summer. But at least sure. those students come away with more knowledge and more awareness of how process works and how it's existing and that the process isn't locked in stone. I mean, the the processes are still open to change and there are guidelines for that change. Um, but it, then it comes to voting, 
and it comes to representative voices. Um, so yeah. when dialogue goes on in a classroom around those, it, it actually raises the awareness and it raises the certainty and the uh, again, it empowers the students with their own voices. It's really exciting to see. Listen, Representative Waite, I, I hate to cut this conversation short. The themes we're touching on here are incredibly important, I think, both for uh, educators, for the students, and, of course, the parents of those students who may be listening now. Uh, but our time has expired, so I'll thank you uh, right. for this important conversation. Look forward to more in the future. Thank you so much for this topic and the, the conversation around it. It's great. Outstanding. Uh, thanks again, Representative Waite. Uh, let's shift gears here uh, pretty uh, dramatically here. I, I need some instruction from uh, from Jessica. Are we, are we anticipating uh, President-elect Biden here in the next few moments? It's been uh, announced that from Wilmington, Delaware, uh, that Joe Biden will be announcing his vaccine plan. I guess we're a few minutes away from that. I'll tell you what. Here's the plan. We're going to take a quick commercial break. uh, And should these remarks start in the midst of that commercial break, we'll come back. I'll toss to uh, the president-elect and we'll hear what Joe Biden has to say about his plan to distribute the vaccine once he takes office just next week. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Final segment of the week here on KSL News Radio. Uh, before we jump into this next segment, can I just wish you a happy and safe weekend? Uh, whatever, whatever comes of this weekend, uh, please do everything you can to uh, stay safe, stay away from danger. If you are uh, considering going out and there's violence or destruction in your heart, Get that in check somehow. Stay home. A lot of eyes on what happens around the country this coming weekend after warnings from the FBI that there are certain demonstrations, we'll call them, planned uh, around the country at the various state capitals. I, I I hope that those warnings aren't needed. I hope that they prove to be wrong. And uh, I think it's folks like you and me that have the ability to prove them wrong. Uh, Let's have a quiet weekend here on Utah's Capitol Hill. How about it? Uh, In just a moment, I want to share with you uh, some some interesting words uh, shared with producer Amy by uh, a professor of communication from Michigan State University. The topic, uh, if you've been following along the past few days, there's been this kind of nagging question that I have been reaching uh, left and right, far and wide to try to answer, and it is... How do we talk with those we love about this difficult stuff? In particular, those we love who find themselves on such a different side of the spectrum when it comes to politics and our interpretation of, say, the impeachment or the heartbreaking events that took place at the U.S. Capitol just last week. Those would-be insurrectionists as they stormed the Capitol building and occupied it. Your view may be far different than, say, your brother's view or your grandmother's view or your uncle's view. And those differences, I sure hope they don't drive you apart. I sure hope that's not the case. And I I say that and I I place so much emphasis on this because I have seen, in very short order, families and friendships be ruined in just the past week. I have seen lines drawn in the sand where no such line is warranted. 
I have seen family members turn on family members. I have seen lifelong friends turn on those with whom they share the most precious of memories. That's a heartbreaking thing. In just a moment, we're going to get to uh, some advice on how to safeguard ourselves against that and how not to participate it, participate in it ourselves. Before we do that, though, I just want to uh, share a bit of uh, news that just came across my desk having to do with the National Rifle Association. I, I know that these two topics probably couldn't be any more different, but uh, while I have you here, I just want to let you know that the National Rifle Association has just announced that it has... Uh, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, uh, specifically in a bankruptcy court for the Northern District of Texas, the Dallas Division, uh, the the National Rifle Association, and one of its subsidiaries has filed uh, voluntary Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. And uh, what does that mean? Uh, Well, I won't spend too much time on this, but uh, if you do make your way to the NRA's website, they have uh, like a question and answer Uh, section that walks through uh, what this all means. In fact, uh, it it addresses one of the nuanced realities of declaring for these types of protections, there being a difference between going bankrupt and filing for bankruptcy protection. And honestly, for for most uh, occasions where you are filing for this type of protection, uh, it's an indication that you're not doing too well financially. Well, that's, of course, the case with the, the NRA, they try to put a positive spin on it there, talking about how uh, this is merely an opportunity for them to uh, you know, kind of restructure themselves and dust themselves off and move forward. Uh, the, the Q&A stuff there uh, is, I think, helpful if you have questions about what happens to your membership. I'm sure there are uh, more than just a few NRA members listening to this program. Uh, the real quick answer to that question is uh, nothing happens. Your membership remains intact. And <laughs> the, the association would like you to know that they are also accepting new members. In fact, uh, in the Q&A portion where the question is asked, can people still join the NRA? <laughs> the response from the NRA is absolutely! Exclamation point. Anyway, ha- have a look at that. Uh, I, I have a soft spot in my heart because it, when I was very, very young and I was first out uh, we would go to the gravel pit, my dad and I, to fire the very first twenty two rifle I shot. I think it was a Marlin Model 60, or it may have been a Ruger 1022. I, I don't remember. I know that my dad had one of both, and we, uh, I fired each at a very young age. But during those days, uh, it was Eddie Eagle, the, the firearms safety cartoon distributed by the NRA, uh, that I was invited, Forrest, to watch. Uh, stop, don't touch, leave the area, tell an adult, gun safety for children. Uh, so anyway, a development there on the financial front of the NRA. Okay, in the waning moments, let's get back to the, the important topic at hand, which is how do we talk about these things which have such great potential to divide us? This past week, uh, the storming of the Capitol, the impeachment of the president. How do we talk to those with whom we love but also uh, disagree. Uh, Producer Amy got on the phone with Dr. Elizabeth Hall, who is an assistant professor of communication at Michigan State University and focuses her study on exactly these types of questions. Here, when asked by Amy, what's the best strategy, uh, Dr. Hall responded this way. Avoidance is something that we in America especially try to avoid. We have, um, we call it an ideology of openness in the United States, where we think that open 
and frequent communication is always better and it, it isn't always better. A lot of times these conversations just lead to conflict, could even lead to estrangement or marginalization within the family where people are you know, pulling away and creating more distance in the relationship. And um, we know that topic avoidance can be really effective in certain situations. So, um, you know, it may not feel like the most authentic relationship if you can't talk about everything, but um, it certainly can help with getting along and getting through family gatherings if you talk about all kinds of things, but you just don't talk about politics. I can agree with the doctor in the very short term. I can agree with the doctor there and the advice she gives about avoidance if you do just want to get through the holiday weekend or you just want to get through the Sunday dinner where the family gets together. But I can't agree with avoidance when it comes to a good, strong, lasting, genuine, honest relationship. We're going to have to, at some point, tackle these issues head on with the folks who it's most uncomfortable to tackle them with. Anyway, uh, one last point here shared by the doctor. Uh, Producer Amy asked, before you really talk about uh, issues, you have to make sure that uh, you have a strong relationship with the family member, especially on the things uh, that are not related to politics. So if you you are going to delve into it, here's how you do it. We often take a lot of things for granted with our family so that, that we'll always be committed to each other, that we're obligated to each other. A lot of taken for granted, like love in family relationships. And those things are really important in having, being able to have deep, meaningful conversations with people. Um, and so making sure that the relationship has this level of trust and closeness and that it isn't just like, well, we're family, so we trust each other. But like you've developed, you've spent quality time with this person and you have other shared interests and you have other meaningful conversations about other things then those political conversations are going to be more successful. Take nothing for granted. That's good advice that I can agree with. Take nothing for granted. Uh, The specialness of your relationships with the family and friends, uh, do not take them for granted. It is something precious that must be worked for uh, and worked towards. That's going to do it for today's episode of Live Mike. Uh, We're going to venture off into the weekend. I'll meet you back here on Monday, same time, 1230 to 3 o'clock. You and I will be uh, chatting back and forth. Be safe this weekend. Make good choices. If there are loved ones in your family who may be out uh, with intentions of wrongdoing, steer them back towards right. Next up, Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to... Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.